This cup of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for the iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Plus, if you would like to support our programming personally, please visit trek.fm slash donate to get our alien badges and art prints, featuring original illustration by Toba Ushi. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D Bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. L. Gray, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week, commanding the three-nacelled Future 1701D. Now, we're pulling into Space Dock to rendezvous with my co-host. Joining me from the USS Hood is longtime Admiral, I mean, I mean, longtime Captain Philip Gilfus. Hey, Philip. How are you doing, Darren? You know, is, would it just be helpful if I just kind of like stayed behind you, one parsec behind? I mean, we're going to rendezvous one week, you know, one time, one week anyway. So I just figured might as well just stay in the same area. So that way, just save everyone the time of any time you need to rendezvous with the ship. The hood is always there to serve and be happy to do it. No, I I never worry about needing backup, even though I never request it. Uh, so I know you're just always around. You're like State Farm. You're just you're always there. That's right. I mean, we gave you our first officer. We give you our, you know, we, we transport your, your guest and special crew members. I mean, the hood is here to serve. The hood just pretty much goes from the Enterprise to the Earth and back. That's all it does is back and forth, back and forth. Enterprise gets the fun, the fun missions. The hood gets the courier duty. Well, and announcing his first command on the USS Sutherland is Captain Daniel Prue. How are you doing, Daniel? Uh, I'm good. Um... A lot of the people here on the Sutherland really hate me for some reason, and I haven't figured out why. Oh, they won't that's, listen that's to really me. sad. Yeah, no, I, and it's really frustrating because we're getting into crisis situations here, and with nobody listening to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to lay the smack down, I think. Well, I think if you just run them into the ground with drills, people usually respond really well to that, and you change their rotation up. They, they really like that. It's like a fresh coat of paint. Oh, all right. I'll have to give that a shot. Yeah, but, but remember, you need to treat them like people, not machines. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely treat them like people. You know, they, they, above, forget what I said, listen to Philip, because, you know, <laughs> I, I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, tonight on Earl Grey, we're going to be discussing uh, starships of the Federation, primarily ones uh, around the 24th century. And while there are many, many different types of starships out there, I have narrowed it down to about five or six. So jumping in, we're going to start off with the Excelsior class, the workhorse. Uh, This is a ship that has been around for literally decades uh, from the time of James T. Kirk with its The Great Experiment, uh, which I guess would later be, I don't know, wasn't there a second Great Experiment? It seemed like every generation had its great experiment, but uh, the the I mean, we had some great experiments when I was in college. I don't know if that was the same thing. (laughs) Not that kind of experimenting. No, no. But uh, but the Excelsior. What what do we think about this 
this ship. Let's start with you, Philip. Oh, really? Because Daniel really is he's all about the Excelsior. <laughs> well, you know, but, but I'll go ahead and start. I, I'd I'll like go ahead to and start. hear uh, an objective view first uh, <laughs> before we jump into. To I, I, I'm well aware of Daniel's uh, preconceived notions on this class, so hold that we'll let him, machine's we'll, proud and and let's 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 start. <laughs> we'll let his transwarp capabilities start to charge up because no, I know it takes a while. Um, well, I think with with the uh, Excelsior class, you know, I think it's one thing that's interesting that we're going to talk about tonight. Because I think most of the ships we talk about are from the TOS movies. You know, um, you know, one critique I think you could have of TNG is that there weren't a lot of original uh, Federation starship designs. There were a few, but That's most true. of them were from the TOS movies. So we're starting with the Excelsior, obviously, um, from uh, uh, Star Trek III. Um, and then we've seen it in Star Trek VI. Um, and, and, but the Excelsior, as you said, that's kind of like was sort of the, you know, the galaxy class in the 24th century, sort of the, the, the flagship. Those are the big guys. But for doing everything else, you still want a big starship. It's been the Excelsior class. And so as we mentioned with the, the USS Hood, um, I think the USS Crazy Horse is off the top of my head, um, was also another Excelsior class. Um, but that, those are the ones that were always like, you know, transporting admirals and badmirals around to the Enterprise and, and ambassadors and all that stuff. But um, I have I think that it, shot of the hood pulling away just to the right and then the Enterprise goes to the left. It's like burned into my memory because they use it so many times. <laughs> That's from Encounter, right? Encounter at Farpoint, and they I just think, keep yeah. using it. They just keep using it for seven years. For the next seven years. <laughs> like, eh, oh, Captain why, DeSoto. why make it a different ship when we can just reuse this shot? <laughs> well, just like, I don't, we never really saw the interior of the ship, at least in TNG, you know, Star Trek VI, you saw it, um, in Star Trek Three. But, you know, for, as far as the exterior, you know, it's it's certainly the, the long ship until we go with the Enterprise-E of the fleet. Um, you know, I it's... I don't know if I have anything original to say about it, other than it's you know sort of oddly long, you know, long warp nacelles. You know, I, I have nothing bad to say about it because I want Daniel to have all of his negative comments for this one. <laughs> um, but but I mean, you know, it, it, it made sense. I think the the thing about TNG as opposed to maybe Deep Space Nine and even Voyager is like most of the heavy duty starships, you know, the, the Galaxy Class, Excelsior Class. Like, you don't really imagining these things, like, turning on a dime or, or doing some, like, fancy barrel rolls or anything. Like, these things just, like, you know, steer like a, well, like a huge starship, you know. So, not exactly the most nimble things of, like, the Defiant doing backflips or something during the Dominion War. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a good point. It, it definitely, I, I get the feeling with the Galaxy, which we'll touch on later, but it just felt like they didn't make as many. But whereas this, you know, they just cranked them out. They got a, they got a bulk deal at the Federation shipyards for Excelsior classes, but so a hundred years <laughs> for yeah, exactly. You know, you, you wouldn't want to waste that uh, money. Oh, wait, no, never mind. That, that doesn't exist. <laughs> so Daniel, what are your thoughts for people who haven't listened to the last uh, 14 episodes of Earl gray uh, <laughs> on, um, on the Excelsior class? Um, okay. The long and short of it is I think it is, well, I know. Well, I know for a fact it is. I mean, this is indisputable that it is the worst Enterprise design by far. But that's because it was kind of like the second-hand Enterprise at that point. So that doesn't really count, I guess. I think it's probably to me is one of the ugliest Starship designs that we get. I, I hate it. I really do. I, I like. I have a burning hatred for it. Like every time I see it, I'm like, this is just a stupid-looking ship. It's like dumpy and fat-looking, and like I mean, even like even though the Enterprise D. 
like uh, Philip was mentioning, certainly will never get any points for maneuverability. Um, I th- I think that even more so the Excelsior class is it, it just looks like a ship that just goes straight and uh you know what i mean like and 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 if it misses its you know it misses its stop it'll just go all the way around until it gets back to where it's got to be because it's going to be too much trouble and too much effort to turn in any meaningful way and it's like just, let's go into orbit around this planet slingshot around it and maybe yeah. we can come back and our enemy will still be there <laughs> hopefully yeah like they have to plan for like uh, you know orbit orbiting planets like three sectors ahead and, no, it's uh, like the crown Victoria of space. It always have like the left blinker on the whole time that it's flying around. <laughs> Sulu, turn off that blinker. <laughs> and the thing is, it's like it's so overused in Star Trek too. It wouldn't bother me so much because there are some some pretty silly looking ship designs, I think, in Star Trek. But um, it, it's so overused. Like you were mentioning, Philip. Like we get like we get those like big shots in Deep Space Nine and during the Dominion War of of like. All of these, sh- all, all of the fleets and stuff, and Excelsior makes up like thirty to forty percent of the <laughs> of the Starfleet fleet, and it's like, are you kidding me? You're going to send a sixty-five-year-old vessel into a war zone? Like, what do you think is going to happen? It's, well, it's it just is gonna- a sixty-five-year-old design. We don't necessarily know that all these ships were made and have actually no, been yeah. maintained. But I, I know what you're saying. It's like we, let, why don't you know? We could crank out a lot of galaxy classes, or we could just, you know, press paste on the Excelsior. Well, it's like the Constitution class was used for like 500 years, I think, um, by the Federation. You know, we're like going to introduce it, well, then we're going to refit it, and they're going to keep on using it. You know, as many Constitution class vessels we can make. So That's Wait, true. Many lot of-, of like the large fleet shots, I always see Miranda classes like putzing around, but I don't see a lot of Constitution because I think they're afraid you're going to think it's the Enterprise, like Kirk's Enterprise, almost like, you know, but they did over, well, not overuse, but I know what you're saying, Philip, about that ship was just all you saw in TOS. I, I I think of like the ultimate computer where it's fighting two other ships and they look identical to the enterprise. They just, you know, scraped off the uh, registry number and changed it. But uh, yeah, it was, but, uh, but the thing is, I mean, yeah, it's easy, easy to see it that way. But when we see the Reliant for the first time, which I believe is the, is the first time that we see a non constitution class ship. I think you're right. Um, starship anyways. Um, that's Star Trek two. And that's what, uh, 20, 20 something years, 25 years after, um, TOS. At so least, it's like, yeah. so we're looking at a, and, and by all accounts, the enterprise was not a new ship in, in the beginning of TOS. So like, even then we're like, it would make, it would make sense to see constitution classes flying everywhere because come on. I mean, like technology is constantly improving. You know, I mean, like we get, but there's a seven year span between the Enterprise D and the Voyager, but all of a sudden now we ha- we also have, you know, so we're, we're designing new ships in a five year turnaround cycle, but all of a sudden we're still using ships from last century. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm glad that they don't use those o- older models, uh, even though they do, but uh, you know, the really, really old models, because it, it would be kind of ridiculous, I think. You know, one thing I, and this is a tangential TNG claim, but we can go with it. You know, in Generations, when we saw the Enterprise B, it was sort of a, uh, technically a modified 
uh, Excelsior. Right. You know, it's like a, little, a refit, I, I think, is what they call yeah, it. Yeah, some added impulse engines. Got the little cheeks po- around the uh, the deflector <laughs> dish. Is what I like yeah, to call points them. in the nacelles a little bit. You know, less rounded than what we saw. But it's you know, and I, we all know why. Obviously, we all know the real reason. But anyway, but still, it's funny that we saw the Enterprise B, and apparently they did not use the modified Excelsior design for another. 100 years until we saw the was it the Lakota and Lakota, DS9 exactly yeah <laughs> so I'm like which I want to speak about the Lakota for a second because that that fight scene I feel gave some weight back to the Excelsior class in my, in my opinion I think I mean obviously it's going up against the Defiant which is a tough ship but it's very little and when it was fighting I was like okay little. Exactly, exactly. I'm sorry, Mr. Worf, but it's a it's a little ship. But I definitely felt when it was fighting the Lakota that the Lakota could have wiped it out, you know. But that goes back to our whole, you know, Federation weaponry versus other other species weaponry. You know, uh, we could. That's another topic for another time. But uh, what do you guys think of the Lakota fight uh, of of two Federation starships duking it out? I think Dan, you you've talked about this, Daniel. I'll let you talk about this about the, the Defiant, like going in between the warp nacelles, and then just like you were saying, like he, like the Defiant could just you know dock on top of the uh, back of the, <laughs> the, the the hole there and just start like shoot from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not in. It seems to me that everybody, even people who don't like Deep Space Nine, are enamored with the uh, Defiant. And since we're talking about ships, I can go off on a little bit of a tangent here. The Defiant to me is stupid. Like, I'm sorry, it's just dumb. It just doesn't make any sense. The ship is like... You might as well call it the USS Kira. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I like it. It has cool moments. It's just, to me, like, if you're going to... Okay, if you're going to establish that the Galaxy class is the pride of the fleet, have have one or two ships, I can't remember what that episode was, um, blow up a Galaxy class, and then all of a sudden, a season later, the Defiant is just taking out a bazillion of those same ships that took out that Galaxy class. It doesn't make any sense. I don't care. And this concept that we built it too powerful for itself is the stupidest thing I've ever heard that doesn't even, like, that sounds like a fanboy, like, oh my god, it's so powerful, it can't even control itself. Like, it's like, what is that? But, um, yeah, I mean, so... I don't know, but on one hand, I, I say that, but on the other hand, uh, you know, the Defiant is new technology. It's got, like, Borg technology integrated into it, and it's like, could it take out the Lakota? I don't know. I, the Lakota's, how old is that? How old is that ship? 50 years old? I don't know. No, it's at least, uh, well, if it's if it's a retrofitted one, then it's probably a little newer, because it does have the, kind of, the extra impulse engines and and all of those aspects, but I always felt in the Excelsior class, it, it looked kind of like a circular buzzsaw to me. Like if you're looking straight down and it has that little kind of U-shaped, uh, you know, track in the middle, like you just kind of start spinning that up and it's just going to like slice right into whatever it attacks, which I think that's Picard forgot he wasn't on an Excelsior when he rammed the Enterprise into the Scimitar because I think an Excelsior would have uh, been able to cut a little bit deeper. He should he should have turned the ship sideways, yeah, like you said, because <laughs> <laughs> that always makes it fit. Oh, right, well, moving <laughs> on from the workhorse, uh, let's move on to not the one seven zero one D, so the Galaxy class. So there were not as many ships made in the Galaxy class. Obviously, the most famous is Picard's Enterprise, which was only captained by Picard, at least. For the mainstay, I'm not really counting Jellico and other small captains, but 
you know, he had the the main run of that before it got uh, crashed into a planet. But uh, but there are, I guess that's another you know can kind of standard T- TNG or Star Trek trope is you know again it's oh we're meeting another ship well look it just happens to look exactly the same as our ship you know <laughs> our but, sister ship the Yamato <laughs> exactly <laughs> but but it's interesting because I think they the TNG only did that once I mean with the Yamato like we never saw I mean we only saw another galaxy class ship once I mean am I am I wrong we only saw it once. Well, we did see lots and lots and lots of alternate, alternative in parallels. Uh, yeah, in parallel. Uh, that was technically the Enterprise, but yeah, but yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's like the TOS when every every like literally every starship was the Constitution class, like in um, the Ultimate Computer when they're doing the War Games. Hopefully, I'm getting episode mm-hmm. titles mm-hmm. right. Um, and you know, anytime you saw it, but like we Doomsday only literally, Machine. yeah, we only saw the the Galaxy class once in. No, I can't remember what it is. Oh, no, oh, no. no. Oh, oh. It's the one it with was a con- Contagion, wasn't it? Wait, wait. It was like, you're talking about the Yamato, right? Or are you talking about... Yes, <gasps> yes it was Contagion. Yep, because yeah. the ship got sick or whatever it was. And it was right. Yeah. It, it had yeah. a flu and exploded. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're right, you're right. Yeah, because well, there was, technically they saw it another time when they had that alien that was tricking them. Um, into seeing it. <gasps> was there that the one with, you go with that, uh, Nagilam. Yes, that's what I was trying to think of that. That was the that one with Worf, right? And he's like, two bridges? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> He like flips out. Yeah, not comprehend. freak out Worf, just make him think there's two bridges and he will just lose his mind. I see. Or two bridges. <laughs> yeah, or give him yeah. the opportunity to make cake. That also gets him really, <laughs> oh, yeah. really agitated. Oh, yeah. But... But you go back to the point. So, but yeah, so that was the only time, you know, I guess the, and again, I can only guess that the TNG folks were like, you know, Enterprise D, no, that's the only galaxy class. It's the man or woman. Um, and that's it. We're, we're not going to show any other ones. It's the dominant one. So, but it would have been interesting to see other ones. I mean, I know we saw them in Deep Space Nine. But yeah, yeah Odyssey, the, right? That was the yeah, Odyssey. Exactly. Yeah. The short list yeah. I have here is the Challenger, the Enterprise, the Galaxy, the Odyssey, the Venture, and the Yamato. And uh, yeah, the Odyssey we see destroyed in in Deep Space Nine. The Galaxy is obviously the prototype. Uh, then the Enterprise, the Challenger, I think, was heavily used in the books in the uh, uh, Starfleet Corps of Engineer books. I think that's Scotty's ship. Uh, and then the Yamato is, you know, fatefully destroyed. Uh, but yeah, the Venture, I think. Oh, I think the Venture shows up at Deep Space Nine every once in a while like wasn't that the captain that had like the you could see inside of his head that dax dated or something um, uh gosh i'll have to remember that episode who captain the venture the venture was in service the captain well it just takes me to the page of captain so that doesn't really help task force admiral hastur yeah i think it was just the token uh galaxy class to show up which i love in this picture it has of it it's the galaxy class docked at ds9 and in the back there's two excelsior classes because you know <laughs> well, no, it's because every no don't you know every galaxy class is assigned an excelsior class starship so the, the enterprise had the hood oh, yes. but every other galaxy yes. class has an excelsior class that follows it around you know, that, they have so many it makes sense so yeah but as a as a ship you know it, it is interesting just how few of them we see. I mean, you would think how powerful this ship is and how well it served Picard. And 
I mean, I kind of it's kind of nice that like the flagship is that, and it's not it's like semi rare, but yeah, kind of it's like weird. Why didn't they make more? Was it development costs? Was it just time? Uh, I, I don't know. I actually have a theory about that because um, I, I I have always wondered that myself, and so I, my assumption is, and I don't even know if this could be corroborated with like actual on screen instances and stuff, but. I always assumed that they they made the galaxy first, right? Because that's what they always do. They right. named the, sh- the the first ship after the the class, and then they created the Enterprise and the Yamato at the same time, and because right. they were sister ships, and then like the afterwards sisters. they just sisters <laughs> boom, oh, and, so and then they just they just turn them out one at a time after that. I think that's just, and I think like we don't get a bigger ship in Star Trek. You know, not a bigger Federation ship than the D. So even if it's, I mean, even if we're considering that there's infinite money or infinite resources or whatever, we we can assume that it definitely has the longest build time. Like yes. it would take forever, a long to, time to develop from yeah. you know the episodes we've seen that go into and then that, eventually, its history. And I, and I also kind of consider it, and I don't again, I don't know. Maybe you guys can may, remind me if there's something I'm forgetting. But I always think like this children on ships thing like family on ship thing like that was just an experiment they did with this class of ship that they that it's never really i don't think we ever see on on screen it happen with any other class of ship so the, i kind uh, of think it's the great experiment of the 24th century. yeah exactly yeah right <laughs> exactly. exactly i think what slows down construction is you know we have that one shot of utopia planitia and it literally looks like the surface of mars and there's like I don't know. It looks like a scrapyard or like an airplane graveyard. You have a couple of saucers and a ton of nacelles all lined up, and it literally looks like they're putting it together on the surface. It, it. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. It, it, this isn't a, a a toy kit you're assembling. You need to put this thing together in orbit. But you know, who would be silly enough to build a starship on Earth and then lift it up? I don't know. That would just be crazy. I mean, I usually build them in Iowa, but that's just me. No, Philip. Philip. Oh man, we should not get into that because yeah. <laughs> that is not one of the ships we'll be listing with tonight. But no. well, I could yeah. talk forever about it, though. <laughs> well, I mean, and and I, just to touch on that real quick for Galaxy Class. I mean, it is the biggest one because we we were we were talking um, earlier in, in our ready room that the Enterprise E, the Sovereign Class, is not like bigger. I mean, it's different dimensions, yeah. but it's, it's not a smaller bigger. volume. It's a little bit longer, but every every other dimension is smaller. But I think there was a conscious decision made about, like, dude, the Galaxy Class is, is the hugest starship ever. We're never going bigger than that because then it just gets ridiculous. So, you know, that's <laughs> that's that's the the high water mark of the, you know, size of starship is the Enterprise-D. And so everything else will probably be a little bit smaller, a little bit more, you know, we'll play with longer and wider and all that stuff. But as far as just actual huge size, the Galaxy Class will literally be the Galaxy Class of starships. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, moving on. Unless anyone has any other, well, did, do we want to talks. talk about the modified galaxy class? Oh yes, of oh. course. We can touch. Yes. Yeah, so, that. In, so, in all good things, of course. Yes. No, go ahead, Philip. Oh yeah, I was like, I, I don't know why I'm suddenly taking over. It's it's your. It's a coup. You're so excited. I just I didn't well, just because I have the you know my for, for this for this uh, I know the listeners can't see for, for this uh, for this podcast I have all my Star Trek micro machines in front of me. So all the ones we're talking about, I have them in my hand. So um, you for, to in all, me. yeah, in all good things, we have the the future Enterprise D commanded by Admiral Riker. Warp um, fourteen. Thirteen, yes, with its own cloak. <laughs> yeah. 
It has a cloak. It can go warp That's 13. Right. Um, it has that third, that infamous or famous, depending on your point of view, third nacelle. So interested what Daniel thinks about that. It has this <laughs> really cool, I suppose, phaser cannon on the um, uh, on the the what's the opposite of dorsal ventral on the ventral uh, yeah uh, ventral yeah and then uh, on the dorsal um, it has these sort of like I don't even know what they're supposed to be these little pointy things um, two of them on 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 the saucer I don't know they're supposed to help static cling I don't know um, but anyway so it 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 certainly was was a and it actually has a little like little um, I don't know like things coming out of the uh, bottom of the nacelles uh, support structures too for I don't oh know, yeah, to, it's give like it, little to give wings. it fins. Yeah, yeah, like it's it like makes a it more aerodynamic. Obviously, that's how it <laughs> can fly vertically up through the Klingon cruiser. Uh, the D couldn't have done that, you know, without those, you know, those wingtips. But well, I think the thing is with the third nacelle, it can no longer fit into the space dock, and so those grooves <laughs> yeah. it fits yeah, into right. the outside of the space dock. <laughs> but um, it it was interesting about how they're also how do they get out of the main s- shuttle bay with that third nacelle in the way? Yeah, anyway, anyway, anyway. Run right anyway. <laughs> Um, How do they get out of the back shuttle bays? Any of the shuttle bays? It's, yeah. Well, I remember having the uh, Playmates uh, conversion future Enterprise, and it was actually a toy where it had little parts that you could pop open, and you could actually transform it from the you know the regular Enterprise D to the All Good Things one, and that was really fun, and it it was a great toy and but every time i you know snapped that third nacelle on it just looked ridiculous it just it it didn't it didn't work that that's the biggest thing right like that's the biggest problem with it is the fact that it looks like they just glued some extra pieces onto the model and then filmed it that's the problem with it like if they could have some and i know this is budget and it's fine like it doesn't bother me about the episode but thinking about it it's like okay but if they could have somehow like had as big of a transformation between the d and the future d that they did between the like enterprise the original enterprise and the refit then it would have been cool. Like you could still have that third and cell and make it look cool, but you would have to somehow change, slightly change other things like the form factor, and then I would be on board with it. But but it just looks like glued Lego pieces to the to the model that they were using, and it looks really cheesy. Well, if they did the same concept of of the original series of the TV series to the movies. Basically, you know, um, retired ambassador Captain Picard would have gone and like, oh, there's Admiral Riker's ship, the Enterprise. He's like, where is it? No, you see that huge ship right there? Yeah, that's the Enterprise. What, what do you mean? It doesn't look anything like my Enterprise. It's twice as big and would in no way be the same ship. No, no, that's the refit. Oh, okay. So, And, Philip, you, you asked earlier <clears throat> how I felt about the third nacelle. And yes. I'm, not, I'm not sure if either of you two have seen Total Recall. I knew this was coming up. I knew this was coming up. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I Uh. guess the the way I'll put it diplomatically is an interesting thought experiment, but maybe not completely practical. And that's all. It also goes against, I I believe, in the Star Trek Bible or in Roddenberry's you know description of warp technology, you had to have an even number of of warp nacelles. They had to, and they also had to quote unquote see each other. You know where at least the blue part had to be able to visually if you were to look out from one to the other sea and i think that's how many of the ships were designed later you know that that kind of was pushed to the side i mean i don't think the defiant really follows that principle or or some <sighs> other but you know another mark against the defiant but <laughs> well, well one starship that was 
quote unquote introduced into TNG, even though it was supposed to predate TNG, was that big yellow model on Captain Picard's ready room, the Constellation right. class Stargazer, which technically had oh. four nacelles. Right. But it was there but they're even and they can see each other. So <laughs> yeah. Which isn't so. the only ship that has four nacelles, is it? Oh man, maybe um, I just backed myself into a corner there. I thought there was another one. There is the Prometheus experimental one yeah. in Voyager. Oh yeah, but that doesn't yeah. count. I thought there was another one. How does that not count? It qualifies well, as another ship it, with four it's nacelles. Technically, it's Voyager. technically two nacelles that split, right? Well, it's technically it's four ships. That, well, I mean, it's it's three ships. Oh no, it's one ship that splits into three parts, just like the D is one ship that splits into two parts. Right. Yeah. It's not a Voltron. It's it's one ship. <laughs> yeah. And Al formed the saucer. Yeah. <laughs> formed the cell and battle bridge. Uh, okay. Well, so as, many buttons. Oh, so many buttons. <laughs> now, kind of, uh, we were talking about how the Reliant was basically a, a kit bash of the you know what they had on 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 hand for the original. Uh, constellation class but we also now are moving to the nebula class which uh, we have captain data on the uss sutherland and i think the uh yeah i think the nebula class showed up in the uh in the best of both worlds episodes i'm not 100 percent sure of when it was first introduced but it it definitely is basically you take the saucer section of a d and you kind of shove it down into the neck so that it's touching the uh, the drive section, and then you take the nacelles and you flip them upside down, and then you put a uh, it looks like a radar dish, you know, from those uh, I, I can't remember what class of of airplane that is we have nowadays, but you put some some sensor photon torpedo module on the top and presto you know you have a nebula class so i i I actually like this class i like i think it's a pretty you know it you can you can tell where obviously if you're thinking in universe it's like okay we're, we're putting all this work and all this build time into this galaxy class now is there a way we can make a cheaper smaller not modular. I'm not saying like they're just snapping the parts together, but you know, <laughs> but you could take the same design principles and put it together and, and I, I buy it. I buy it enough, but maybe, maybe you guys don't buy your, your jekylling laughter. <laughs> no, I, I, I just feel like you're arguing that like there's some subcontractor. He's like, Oh wait, you just wanted six saucers. I made like 10. Oh, you only have like six, <laughs> six second primary hole, secondary holes. Oh, well, what are we going to do with all these extra saucers? It. What are we going to do with it's all these extra so saucers? Designing oh. it, and they want to use those plans rather than build another, <laughs> you know, design another ship. But, but, but that's uh, exact—that's exactly what they did. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you guys a story, and this might be slightly embarrassing for someone who claims to be a Star Trek fan. But <clears throat> I remember one of the t- first times I ever watched Generations. And, you know, I, I had seen Star Trek, but I, I never watched it, like, religiously like I do now. And um, the scene at the end when uh, the this class ship and there's a, a couple other there ships that, that are leaving orbit and they're all transporting away. I actually thought that that ship had just somehow grabbed the saucer section that had crashed under Viridian 3 and was, like... <laughs> like bringing it away like it was like a tow <laughs> ship or something because i was like this I is exactly the same 
Yeah. This, this this is the same this is the same piece. This is the Enterprise piece that's just attached to like a tow spaceship that's bringing it out of orbit. And and it wasn't until much later that I'm like, "Wait a minute. No, cuz the, the Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. That's actually but the, no, that's it, the it does look like that. Yeah. So it came yeah. down and grabbed it and then it went like, you know, made the yeah, swoosh sound and was like, "Whoosh, here we go." <laughs> that's what, honestly, that's what I thought because like if you were to take that image of it leaving orbit and remove the nacelles and remove the uh, the top part there, it would look like the same scene of the D um, saucer section crashing into the planet. It looks. It's played the it's tape this, backwards. Yeah, you could play it backwards. And it's exactly the same. And, you know, I didn't think when I was younger, oh, hey, that's crashed on the planet. It's all broken in half and cracked everywhere. So there's the no problem. The itself cannot be salvaged. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh, they're just bringing it back because it's easier than just teleporting everyone, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, know. I think he should have said, and so it'll be turned into a memorial museum. Because it's like, seriously, yeah. are they just going to leave it on the planet? Yeah. I mean, the Romulans are probably going to zip over the first chance they get. Because <laughs> they've been trying to get a look inside. They, they, well, maybe they'll just go on the tour. And they'll, well, they'll surgically alter themselves and they'll go on the Enterprise D memorial tour. <laughs> If we're going to talk no, about gonna... the, the sanctity and reverence of life and generations, they put P- Kirk's body and put a bunch of rocks over him, okay? There's not obviously <laughs> a lot going on. With... That's true. That's true. No, but if the Romulans, if the Romulans, were, they, were, they would not have gone on the tour. They would have taken that back to their, back to Romulus and to burned it in the, the center of their square. In the center of their, yeah. <laughs> uh, city. I've thought it'd be really fun to do commission a painting of that, of the broken hole of the Enterprise in the center square of the Romulan capital. I think that would look awesome. Wouldn't just that block would out cool. the sun, though? Because it's a huge shit. I don't know. Anyway. Well, it's over <laughs> a city, not by comparison, but yeah. Um, but, but I think the, it's... Uh, go ahead. Well, I think it's, it's funny, Darren, what you said. I mean, it's obvious to everyone, but like literally they're like, hey, you know what we did with the <laughs> Constitution class, the Miranda? Let's do that exact same thing with the Galaxy and the Nebula. Like, really? Should we just do the exact same? People are going to notice. Ah, it's a new generation. <laughs> they won't notice. Well, yeah, they, it's literally the Miranda 2.0. <laughs> it, it is, it is. Yeah. because and uh, yeah i, I had I'd forgotten about that module at the top of the miranda but now that you say that i'm like oh my gosh it literally is miranda 2.0 but well, it's, so it's your, in, uh, your miranda rights <laughs> in in this in the sutherland episode which i don't know why i'm blanking uh redemption um, uh, redemption part two yeah, yeah. it I, I saw a clip of that i was on youtube or something and like i saw the the shot of that ship and I was like, "Oh my god, that's just not chilling a, it's out not, in space." Well, yeah, it's not it's not really great. But then you look at generations when they actually you know had the money and chance oh, yeah. to do it right, and I'm like, "Oh no, that looks really cool the way they did it here." So I mean, it's it's definitely I yeah. think, you know Maybe that's why they kept it so far away from the camera in the f- episode because t- the model they made was so small it probably didn't look very good. <laughs> so they just they literally just cut the micro machines in half well, and then glued those pieces or back probably together. not micro machines but they probably <laughs> literally pulled a a model off of a target shelf and and built yep. it and then that, that's probably what they did that's what i would have done it, it, it there but just to bring it up because we were just talking about it in that shot of the of, of all those ships leaving uh viridian three it is both uh, the Nebula class and the Miranda class, I think, right? The, and, it's the, and the Obert class. It's the Obert, Obert class. Yeah. But there's three of them, right? There's yep. three ships. So it's yeah. like, so here are two, here are <laughs> two no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. no attempt ships here. <laughs> 
So, but they were yeah, the only I, ships I think... in the quadrant. No oh, gosh. <laughs> and where was the hood? Where was the hood? Huh? Uh, the hood was destroyed in the Battle of Wolf Three Five Nine. Oh gosh, is that true? I'm pretty yeah. sure it was. I know that you... the ship that the admiral was on. I, I, I think it was I a crazy it horse. Was destroyed. Oh, that's right. He transferred the crazy horse. Which, you know, I'm sorry, but I I don't know if I'd want to be on that ship called the Crazy Horse. I, I mean, yeah. But, uh, well, uh, last last thoughts on the Nebula, just with it being Data's first command, or at least command away from, you know, the Enterprise D. And I think, you know, he I always love when Data, I mean, I know we all enjoy when Data is put in command. It's just, although I have to say their bridge was like a closet. <laughs> I mean, it was, I was just going to say the, that. The smallest bridge, the best. I mean, he could literally, he didn't need anybody because literally he could turn around and the master system display is like inches from his nose. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, so I don't know. You'd think. If it was based off of, it literally should have had a slight redress of the D bridge. Is really what it should have had. I, I'm you know, kind of glad they didn't do that, though. I, no, I kinda I'm got, glad they didn't either. But yeah, it's still. Well, maybe the bridge is located in the top part instead of the the the, the saucer section. You know. Oh, in the in the little like radar triangle. <laughs> exactly. So it can eject like an arrow wing fighter and you know land itself on the. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Well, next uh, next up on our list is a only it's only seen in one episode, but it made such an impact. Uh, not maybe not in a positive way, but we're going to talk about the Olympic class, which is the USS Pasteur, the hospital ship from Captain by uh, Doctor Beverly Crusher in no, 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 All no, Good no. Things. What's her name? Uh, Doctor Beverly uh, Picard. Oh, she kept the name. <laughs> yeah. But so this is a ship where okay it's it's a little more original it's very much smaller i mean the scale is is a lot smaller and you know it's a medical ship cuz it's got a giant snake and cross uh, and staff on like every surface imaginable <laughs> on the cells on the front uh but it's basically they took the trade federation sphere from episode 1 and just shoved it on the front of a a couple of warp nacelles and a and a weird looking uh, <laughs> I mean I'm not I know they didn't cuz obviously that movie came out later but it's literally <laughs> what they did. So I'm a little concerned. How does the saucer separation work? If this thing hits a planet, you're going to be going upside down as this thing rolls the rolling. entire way Indiana down Jones the planet. Uh, <laughs> it might make for a smoother landing experience though. I'm not sure. Just the rolling might be. Uh, I don't. Um, I don't know. Do you guys l- like this? It's just kind of silly looking, but I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Doesn't keep you awake at night. Says, well, unlike I, I think- most Starfleet vessels, the Olympic class features a spherical primary hull, similar in outward appearance to the t- oh, the Dauntless class. That's right. That is a dumb ship, though. The Dauntless is like literally a sphere with a warp nacelle sticking out its butt. Like it's the weirdest, weirdest looking ship, but. Yeah, well, I think with the Pasteur, I think well, two things. One, I, I'm curious on what Daniel thinks of those nacelles because it looks almost TOSy. Um, mm. But also, it, it almost reminds me of like the old ships we would see in the original series, but not like not like the old ships of the original series. But like it was the 23rd century, and like, hey, here's your really old ships from the 22nd and 21st century that we used. Look, look, looked like that. Um, 
Um, yeah. You know, like, I can't remember, like, the SS whatever that we sent out in deep space and got lost, and now we're getting a distress signal. Um, I mean, one thing I do like is that, you know, both in, in uh, and I'm trying to think of an example in TOS movies, there might not be one, but at least in um, TNG of, like, okay, are we just going to keep using the saucer? Like, every time, are yeah. we always going to use the, Is that, like, the Saucer law? and primary hole and two nacelles. Saucer, yeah. primary yeah. hole, two nacelles. Like, Yeah. So like I mean, here it is. They're trying to use something different. Which look, I'm I'm for something different. That's fine. Um, and so yeah, it was, it, I mean, I'm with 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 y'all. And like, I don't have a problem with it. It's, it's not my favorite. I don't hate it. It's just it is what it is. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's no. It's in no way offensive because it's a very specialized ship. I mean, if we had That's to true. see if this was like the en- the next Enterprise, I I think everybody would be like, what? The, no yeah. way. This is so <laughs> stupid. But it's like it's true. You know, it's it's very clearly stated that this is a medical ship designed for this. So it doesn't it medical doesn't ship. have to. <laughs> it doesn't have to have nice nacelles because it doesn't have to go fast. It doesn't matter. Right. It's like it just does what it does, and that's a thing. And that's okay. I'm totally okay with that. It's 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 non offensive to me. It's really way, good so. transporters and a lot of medical bays. Yeah, <laughs> a lot, a lot exactly. of bio beds. But that warp core is really sensitive. That thing will breach like that. You just yeah. want to be careful. You don't want to take that thing into battle. No, no. But you know, it, yeah. And I think I think their main vision was let's just we need a ship that like you said doesn't look like every other ship or or has a visual contrast to the enterprise d and uh, and it's also better that it's smaller because again they were trying to sneak across you know i mean it's literally made for this episode so it's it doesn't necessarily have to have this long history of of use but i do uh, i do want to say one thing that now that you guys brought it up because uh, there is a lot of criticism in star trek for ship design for the fact that Yes, every ship has to have two nacelles and a saucer section because that's how it was in the original series. And and I understand the criticism, but I actually kind of appreciate it because, I mean, you could say the same thing about cars, right? Like right. every car has, has a, a four, hood and four tires four wheels and a yeah. rectangle <laughs> configuration. But it's like, okay, but we've had prob- you know thousands and thousands and thousands of different designs of cars that can all look crazily different. So I think that it's, and I think this is something hopefully we'll see more in a future Star Trek incarnation is that you can take that basic design and do crazy awesome things with it. And it doesn't, that limitation kind of breeds creativity. It doesn't hamper yeah. it. And I, and I hope that we get to see that later on. I think the, the other factor in this is that in the Star Trek universe, you're also creating ships for other races. And so it, it's almost like that's kind of the palette of the Federation so that you can tell instantly, okay, this is what a Federation ship looks like. So when it shows up on screen, you're not like, oh my gosh, we're being attacked. Oh wait, no, that's the Federation. Oh, that's another Federation ship. It doesn't look anything like the rest of the fleet. You know, they all have their matching, you know, defiant. Nope, I'm good. But, but you, you had, a, you had a very mean, tiny cough. <laughs> you know well think of it this way it, it kind of looks like a person you know it's got if you look down from the top because the cardassian ships look like cardassians with their necks and you know klingon <laughs> ships kind of look like the klingon symbol and you know uh, i don't know but no i i hope in in future star trek though they do like you said branch out at least a little bit to uh to incorporate other design types I mean, well, it was interesting, and again, not to deviate from, from Starfleet ships, but the Klingons, where in Next Generation, they did actually kind of go two ways. Because you, they did, you know, inherit the Bird of Prey and kept that from the original series movies. But then they went to the Vorcha class, which is radically, I mean, I, I think it's radically different from the Bird of Prey. And so, but they, you could still recognize both as Klingon, but it's almost yeah. two 
hugely different designs of Klingon mm-hmm. ships, and so you know, there's obviously well, and room then the Romulan, spectrum. the Romulan warbird. I mean, that didn't look anything like the the TOS era ships we've seen. I mean, that thing is massive. I, I think that's the real reason they put that third nacelle on the Enterprise D, so it wouldn't fit inside a freaking Romulan <laughs> warbird because it's ridiculous. Uh okay. Well, let's uh, rounding out our our short selection here we have the the dude the the little obreth class uh also known as the fishing boat of the fleet uh, <laughs> um but uh i actually looked it up obreth is based off of the father of german rocketry so obviously some of the most famous obreth classes are the grissom from star trek 3 and then you yeah, it's very infamous. And then, but you also have the Pegasus from that great episode in TNG that's fused into solid rock. What was that? Yeah, that was a that was a Grissom. Oh. That was a Oberth class. So, uh, but so I, this ship, I mean, it's very small. I mean, when the, you the start Chukowski? to look, yeah, the yeah, the Tchaikovsky, yeah. Yes, that's that was the other one with the uh, the naked now. Uh, so those are the kind of the three. Uh, at least that are known to to the to the average Star Trek viewer, but but with the the Pegasus, I think it uh, one. I love that shot of it like fused into rock. I mean, that's just such a cool shot to to create. Uh, you know, did they like build the ship and then did they make an extra ship and just cut it up, or did they just hate that design so much they're just like, hey, <laughs> let's just shove this into a rock? But uh, but uh. it's just a very a very small ship. Like you. I mean, it was used for scientific missions, and but you literally put it next to anything. You put it next to a runabout, and it looks small. <laughs> uh, well, like the one thing about the design, like you know, the science vessel. Apparently, just one torpedo will blow it up, only if it's a lucky shot. Um, but and also, it's good for sh- asteroid shielding. But like, and I only discovered this maybe three three months ago, and I don't know if I was listening to another podcast or reading a book or something about this ship design and they brought up this huge point and i never saw it before and never realized it till now how the heck do you get to the top part if you're in a turbo lift because <laughs> yeah. if you're yeah, in the bottom know. hall do you like go, you go up into the warp cells and then in it's like a jigsaw puzzle no yeah. I, it's they they have the transporters built directly into <laughs> okay. the uh, turbo lift system yeah. because you know nothing ever bad happens with the, the transporter <laughs> system so that's that's how they oh go. yeah well Almost. it's only got 13 decks and it's got a crew of 80 five minimal so i think kirk should have just stolen this ship you wouldn't have even needed to automate it you could just crew it with a crew of five but uh yeah i don't know how they get between i mean it's it's very interesting because you would think that, you know, I would almost put the warp core in the top part because it just has a direct line to the nacelles back there. But yeah, it's it's an interesting class. I think, again, that whole kind of split hole thing, uh, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't. It, but it's radically different, it though. Me. It is radically. I mean, even though it's, it's from the TOS movies, obviously, but it is a radically different design. And well, and. and- it sits to me. It sits in the same category as the last one we talked about, where I, I kind of appreciate these smaller, less important, very specific ships that are designed for a job to do. I like that. I, I think it pads out the universe. I think it, it makes sense that they would have 
this ship to do these kinds of missions and this ship. But then we would have the big important ships be designed for everything and Correct. they would have the recognizable silhouette and the recognizable design. And then these more very specific ships would would they could have creative liberty to just go crazy? Why not? Just they're sort of they're sort of the Volvos of the fleet. You know, <laughs> they're reliable, they're dependable, they get you what you need to do. You're not going to take it out on your first date with anyone. But they're prone um, to having their uh, hatches <laughs> pop open. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to bring it on a. You're not going to bring it on a, a mission to the neutral zone, right? But you, you know, you will do. You know, you have things to do. There's it's a busy universe out there. So yeah, why not? No, exactly. It's it, it's you gotta, you know, you gotta have something for them to to fly around in, and you know, I think later it was. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. At least they didn't do, you know, they didn't starbase it and just say, oh, well, let's just use the same model and just make it look <laughs> like it's eight times as large. It's almost <laughs> comparable to an Excelsior class. Now they just built it bigger. It's like Space Dock reminds me of like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's like, let's go to Space Dock. It's only a model. Shh. <laughs> no, let's not go there. It's a silly place. Sometimes it, can it is, fit it a, is a silly place. Sometimes it fits an Excelsior. Sometimes it can fit a whole galaxy class. <laughs> yeah. How true. So we've talked about a lot of great starships uh, on today's episode. The Excelsior class, the Galaxy class, Nebula class, Olympic class, and Oberth class, along with some others uh, – sprinkled in there but if you have a particular class of starship that you enjoy please uh, join us on our forums at trek fm slash forums we'd love to talk and continue this conversation about you know just which class is better let's just draw the lines here and now and just have an all out for more on no 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 let's have a nice uh, civil discussion about uh, how we all hate the defiant i mean oh, how no. Uh, <laughs> no 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 but uh, no, it's a tough little ship. Explain why you like the Defiant A better than the original Defiant. Oh, stop. Don't oh. even. Oh, you're going to get me real upset right now. <laughs> uh, it's been fun talking with you guys about all these different Starship classes uh, in TNG. But that's not the only thing that we've been talking about here on Trek FM. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. <laughs> Rewriting TOS Season 1 with Mark Cushman. This is a show that was an excellent show. Let's face it. We, you know, it was, I think, one of the best shows ever made. Certainly the best show at that time. I think the best written show. Uh, because Gene Roddenberry was so determined that every episode would have a, a strong theme and make a statement. Earl Grey. TNG Season 8. Or, or no, this is it. The Traveler is a Q, and so the Traveler shows up with Wesley. Q shows up and like... Q, what are you doing here? I go by T now. The orb. Cisco is captain versus commander. I mean, with the war and everything going on, there's a part of him that's really hardened. But at the same time, yeah. when it comes to the people that are around him, whether it's uh, Cassidy, which, you know, the idea that he would forgive Cassidy, I wouldn't see him doing that in the first few seasons. The ready room. Ready room. But the ending of the episode is Data flashing a flashlight, and I think that's kind of a lame ending. I just wanted to bring you. Up. You wanted to say the end of the episode was Data flashing people on the bridge. <laughs> I know. It's also part of Daniel's fanfic number fifty-eight. To the journey. The thirty-seven's commentary. I had a dream the other day where I met Robert Beltran in a Macy's. And I, like, totally geek out on him, but I try to say, like, oh, no, I totally have also know you from your Hispanic and Native American plays. And 
Uh, like I was trying to like BS my way through saying I only know you from Star Trek Voyager. Did it work? Uh, I woke up. Warp 5. Horror on Enterprise. It's not just losing control of yourself. It's the fact that, that zombies, even zombie Vulcans, cannot be reasoned with. Some would say that normal Vulcans can't be reasoned <laughs> with, Kate. Commentary. Trek stars. Harlan Ellison recap. Well, I also think it's entirely possible that Harlan Ellison has encountered a lot of people ripping off his stuff because he's actually a prophet. And he just saw the future and thought, that's a good idea for an Outer Limits episode. Literary Treks. Q and Trelane Comics. Kirk is actually doing the, the hands thing that he does, you know, where he's, he's, he's trying to make a point with his hands. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's actually doing it in the comic. It's <laughs> fantastic. It's Feels just like Kirk. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for the podcast directory to get all the links. Now, if you'd like to contact us about the show, just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. You can choose send a show and choose Earl Grey, and that will send an email to all three of us. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page of the website to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. Or you can talk to us and other listeners on the forums about your favorite Starship class at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Now, if people want to debate... Uh, nacelle configurations with you daniel uh, how would they get a hold of you well you don't debate nacelle configurations with the world's foremost nacelle expert but you can discuss them with we, me, we couldn't is, get him on the show daniel so uh, <laughs> oh um, okay uh no uh, twitter would be the best way um per usual i am uh, at one up dan that is the number one not the word and if they people want to describe how exactly that uh, Olympic class would separate with you, Philip. Uh, how how would they get a hold of you? Well, you can have a ball and catch me on Twitter at NC Public Servant. That's NC Lake, North Carolina. NC Public Servant. Sure, it's not NCC Public Servant because it sounds like you're uh, you're it launching used, your own it, starship. It, when I first started Twitter, it was actually NX Public Servant, but um, never mind. And if you want to reach me, I'm on Twitter under Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-E-I-F-I. Or you can visit my website, DrSciFi.com, where we'll be relaunching the Dr. Sci-Fi show in January. Now, will this be the refit version of Dr. Sci-Fi? <laughs> yes, it'll be slightly larger, and uh, and people will like it way better than the one with the, the, the satellite dish. So have you gained like 30 pounds since the end of the beginning, you know, since the end of Dr. Uh, there's a reason my webcam doesn't go down that low, but uh, I'd prefer <laughs> that you not uh, not bring that up. So Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> now, before we go, we'd like to also ask you to please support our sponsors who make it possible for us to bring Earl Grey and our other shows to you each week. Our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. 
There are many next-generation books available on Audible, including Dark Mirror and Q Squared, both read by John DeLancey. And I personally have read Dark Mirror, and it's one of my favorite Mirror Universe tales uh, set in the TNG era. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trek.fm and sign up today. We thank you and Audible for supporting Trek.fm and Earl Grey. Also, help us continue to bring Earl Grey to you each week by getting your alien badges and art prints featuring original illustration by Toba Ushi. You'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us to pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. So I'm going to head back to uh, my workshop, and I have you know, all these gold models out that I'm kind of polishing and uh, I haven't decided yet if I want to hang them in like a three quarters view or just slice them all in half and just shove them in the wall. It's, I don't know. I think if I do that though, then I could give you guys a copy that's facing the other way or, uh, you know, I think two for one. That's, I think that, I think that's where I'm going to go. So I'll put all of my wonderful enterprises uh, on the wall. I don't know if the wife's going to like that too much, but you know, it, it's, it's it's it looks it looks good you know if you like sleeping in the observation lounge but if she doesn't like it she can just smash her little ships so you don't have to worry about it oh and i haven't even read moby dick yet this year it just it won't make sense the references the references (laughs) so thank you again for joining us here on earl gray live long and prosper engage make it so fire